I want to say what a joy it is to be here today. Thank you so much. I really believe this with all my heart, and I'm not just saying it because we're here. I think your pastor is one of the greatest preachers in all America today. We love him. And I want to say happy July 4th weekend to you. I'm glad to be an American. I'm not glad of a lot of places she's going, but I'm glad to be an American. I wouldn't trade it for any other nation in the world. And if you don't know the love that they were just singing about, you're in a good place this morning. You can make your way down this old-fashioned altar and somebody take the Bible and show you what it means to be saved. And you'll have freedom like you've never known before. Liberty. Take your Bibles just a few minutes and turn to Psalm chapter number 16. Psalm chapter number 16. I'm going to preach a little different message. It seems like this is all I've had liberty to preach for almost a year now. And I know my family's probably tired of hearing it. And we've got some friends with us, the McGee's from Rural Hall this morning. They've heard it a couple of times. So if they get up and walk out, don't, don't think nothing about it. They've already heard it. So. But I promise to let you out before Walmart closes. <laughs> I'm going to preach to you for just a little while on the path of life. Back December of 07, the Lord allowed me to go through a lung infection in my right lung. Five surgeries, 14 days in the hospital, first four or five days, didn't have a clue whether I was going to live or die. The doctors would come in and said, son, if your lining of your lung ruptures, you're dead. There's nothing we can do about it. And sometimes feeling like those few first few days that I wanted to die just felt so bad. And, and But the Lord showed mercy and grace. God's people started praying all across the world. And And I'm here today. My wife needed a husband. My kids needed a daddy. And I needed to live because I sure do like living. And uh, But the Lord saw mercy and I'm here today with you. And, and while I was at home recuperating, the family went off to sing. My mother came down and stayed with me a, a couple weeks. And I had a wound back in my right side. The Lord gave me this message. This would have been January of 08. And I couldn't preach it, Brother Billy. I don't know if you've probably had this situation. You couldn't preach the message. The, the Lord wouldn't give you the green light, so to speak. And preachers would ask me to preach. And I'd say, well, maybe this is the day. And the Lord say, not now, not now. And back in August of last year, the Lord said, now's the time. And I wondered why I had to wait all that long. But looking back over some things that's happened in my life, my family's life, friends of ours that have gone on to be with the Lord, I understand now why the Lord let me wait to preach this message. I'm going to preach to you for just a little while on the path of life. Psalm chapter number 16, verse number 11. The Bible says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. We could stop right there and shout for the rest of the day. The Lord's been here this morning. He's in our presence today. We have joy unspeakable and full of glory. We could shout the victory because he's chosen to manifest himself, not just to come in and take part, but to come in and take over. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Lord, I want to thank you for this day. God, I bless your name for being so good to us. Thank you for allowing us to be here with this great man of God and his people. And God, I thank you for what our ears have already heard and what our hearts have felt. And God, thank you for our country as we celebrate this July 4th weekend, our liberty, our freedom as being Americans. And God, I pray that you would have your way in the service. I pray that you touch hearts. I pray that you'd fill me today with power from on high. I need a touch of the Holy Ghost. And God, I pray that you'd give me that unction that God, I'd say what need to be said and hold back those things which not need to be said. And 
God, I'd ask that you would bless in the service. I pray that you would touch the hearts and lives of your people. And all that you do through us, for us, and in us, help us to give you the praise and the honor and the glory. Because it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. This path of life, everybody's on it. And while we're on this path of life, there's what I like to call, Brother Billy, the high times. The mountaintops, the shouting ground. I mean, just just times when we just want to throw up our hands and not ask God for a thing. But as the lady sung this morning, Miss Benson, thank him for everything. I mean, if you look around, we're blessed beyond measure. There's times when we just maybe riding down the road listening to a good song or listening to a preacher and the Lord just sits in the car with us and he wraps his arms around us and we just want to take our hands off the steering wheel. I wouldn't suggest that pull over and then shout a while, but you just want to throw up your hands and just thank God for how good he's been to you. Thank him for your salvation. Thank him for his love. Thank him for his mercy. Thank him for his grace. There's all been times, everybody that's here that's been saved for a little while, you've had what I like to call those mountaintop experiences. But also on this path of life, there's not only the mountaintops, but there's the valleys. And it seems like over the last 365 days, maybe even 395 days, I don't know, maybe the last 400 days, there's been, seems like more valleys than there has been mountaintops. More times to just maybe sit down and cry You want to quit, you want to give up on God, you want to throw in the towel and you just want to say, hey, I'm I'm tired of fighting the fight. And we're not exempt from valley experiences. We're not exempt from the low places, the pain, the sorrow, the hurting, because the Bible tells us that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. We may be saved by God's amazing grace, but we still face trials. We still face storms. We still face promises, uh, problems, but I'm glad we have the promise in God's word that the same God that's God when we're up there shouting the victory on the mountaintop is the same God that's down there in the valley. He's down there in the valley with us. He's carrying us through the valley. He's there to help us with our trials, our pains, our sorrows, our sufferings. He hadn't left us alone. He is that friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We're not exempt from the trials, but we don't have to face the trials all by ourselves. We have a friend. We have a brother that's going with us. He's leading us. He's guiding us. He's directing us through all our tribulation and we can throw up our hands because there is, out of the valley, there is another mountaintop coming. And while we're on this path of life, going our different directions, doing our different things, our different jobs, our different services. We all share some common truths, some common ground, some similarities on this path of life. Number one, it's not always a path of my choosing, but it is a path of faith. As a 37-year-old man, I promise you, I did not choose to have a lung infection in my right lung the size of a baseball. I didn't choose to have to go through the surgeries. I didn't choose to have to be standing right there, seems like at death's door. I didn't choose to have the pain, have to see my wife cry, have to see my babies cry, wondering if daddy was going to ever come home. I didn't choose that. We don't choose the hospital visits. We don't choose the doctor visits. We don't choose the mortuaries, the funeral homes. We don't choose the graveyards. But the Lord doesn't put us in those spots in our path of life to make us bitter. He doesn't put us there to make us want to back up. He doesn't put us there to see 
see how much pressure we can bear. He doesn't put us on those spots in the path of life to make us bitter. He puts those spots in our path of life to make us better. My tribulation should only bring him glory. My trial should only bring him glory. He's just got me down in the valley to knock off some rough edges, get me out of me, get self out of the way. He wants us to honor his dear son. He wants us to realize that our faith can be increased in this spot we don't choose to be in, in this trial we don't choose to be in, in this heartache we don't choose to be in. He wants us to look at him and say, hey, God, you're in control of every circumstance I'm facing. You're in control of my trial. You're in control of my valley. And I'm glad that you're there with me. My faith can be increased even when I'm in this spot I don't choose to be in. If you read the first chapter of the book of Job, you'll realize real, real quick that it wasn't the devil that brought up Job's name. It was not the devil that said, I'm going to attack Job. It was God Almighty that said, Hast thou considered my servant Job? And I believe maybe the devil scratched his head and said, you know, I've, I've heard some comments that's been made of him. Job's an upright man. Job's one that escheweth evil. He stays away from it. Job is the greatest man, I believe, spiritually and uh, financially in all the East. And I believe the devil said, you know, you've got your hedge about him. I can't touch him. And God said, well, devil, I'm going to let you have your way with old Job. And the devil said, well, you watch how he reacts when I'm through with him. And God said, you can touch everything of his that he has. Touch his body, but you can't take his life. I promise you, I believe Brother Larry Brown said the other day, if you start reading one of the verses where the messenger started to come, in about 70 plus seconds, Job lost it all. He didn't choose for that messenger to come and say, Job, all your cattle, all your sheep, all your oxen are gone. Everything that pretty well makes you the greatest man financially in the East. He might as well have said, Job, your 401k is gone. We're bankrupt. We're busted. We're broke. We don't have another dime. You're, you, you started out being the greatest man in the East financially. Now you're the poorest man. You have nothing, Job. All of your finances are gone. Job didn't choose to have everything that he owned that gave him monetary value in this life. He didn't have it. To, to, he didn't choose to have it taken away in just a matter of seconds. I promise you, Brother Billy, and you know how Job felt here. He didn't choose for that next messenger to come and say, Job, your children were eating in, your, in the eldest brother's house. The walls fell in. They're all dead. Job didn't choose to have to go to that pile of rubble, Brother Levon, and, and identify his son and another son and another son, and a daughter, and another son. He didn't choose to, he and his wife to have to walk to the graveyard and watch them plant their children. He didn't choose for his wife to suffer through the loss of a child. That's something that a mom and dad never expects to lose a child before they're done. And I promise you, at the end of chapter one, you don't see Job throwing in the towel he had all rights to. You don't see Job backing up. You don't see Job saying, I'm quitting. I'm stopping serving God. No, at the end of chapter one, the Bible says that Job rent his clothes and he bowed his head and 
and he worshiped God and he made that great statement, the Lord hath gave and the Lord hath taken away. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. I believe Job said, my faith in him is too great. He's brought me too far down the road. He's led me down this path of life. I'm just gonna keep on following him. The trials are behind me. I'm gonna keep on trusting God. I'm gonna believe that God is who he said he is and my faith is increased in him. Your faith is not God doing what you think God ought to do. Your faith is God doing exactly what he said he would do. And I'm glad today as I stand here as an American proud to be celebrating the 4th of July, our faith is not in our government. Our faith is not in politics. Our faith is not in the state or the, or the nation. Our faith is in God Almighty. God's not bankrupt. God's not dead. We serve a God who we can trust, who we can believe in. Our faith in Him can be increased even when we're facing the most difficult situations. I laid there in that hospital bed. They done the first surgery. I got in on uh, early Friday morning. The doctor come in early Saturday morning and said, we've got to get you to OR. That infection's pouring out in the lining of your lung. If it ruptures, you're dead. They done the first surgery. I think I woke up maybe three or four or five o'clock in the morning and the doctor came into the room about nine o'clock after they brought me back to the room and he looked at the incision. It was still... And that, this may gross. It was still infection, just oozing out everywhere. And preacher, the doctor looked at me and said, "It didn't work. We don't know what's going on. I don't know why in the world they tell you in the hospital to get all the rest you can <laughs> when they don't let you. If you're a nurse here today." I'll drop that. I won't even say that. But them nurses down there in Spartanburg, I didn't like them. They come in and they ask the dumbest question. And I know they're just doing their job, but they wore the teetotal snot out of me. (laughs) Questions like, are you asleep? (laughs) Well, I was till you turned the sun on. Stuck that bayonet in me, you called a needle. How can I sleep through all the pain and torture? No way I'm asleep. Every 15 minutes clockwork. They were in there poking and prodding and checking and and all this kind of stuff. And I got to where I despise nurses. (laughs) My wife, she was getting tired. She'd stayed up there with me a couple couple nights already and every time the sun come on, she's jumping up thinking, what in the world? Is he dying? Is something wrong? She wasn't getting any rest. I wasn't getting any rest. I told her, I said, honey, you got to go home. Our babies need you. One of us needs to get a good night's sleep, and it's not going to be me. (laughs) She finally gave in and went home, Brother Billy, and it seemed like the second she walked out the door, the devil walked in. Pulled up a chair right beside my bed, and I know some of you are more spiritual than I am. You don't believe it was the devil. This is my story. I tell it like I want to. When you get your chance, you tell it like you want to. <laughs> if it wasn't the devil, it was somebody that acted and talked just like him on a mission from him. Pulled up a chair, and he gave me real encouraging thoughts. First words he said was, you're a dead man. 
They're going to carry you out of here in a body bag. Your life is over. It, it won't mean nothing. I mean, you're, it's over for you. Brother Billy had me as depressed and discouraged and backslidden as I could possibly be with just a few words, and I didn't choose to be there. He started in on my kids. He said, you'll never be the daddy that you ought to be to your babies. You'll never get to play hide and go seek with them. You'll never get to go shopping with them. You'll never get to one day walk them down the aisle. You'll never get to be the daddy that you ought to be to your little girls and your wife. She'll have to wait on you hand and foot. You'll be a vegetable to her. You'll be, you'll be bedridden all the rest of your days. And he had me as depressed and discouraged as I could possibly be. And I did not choose to be in that situation. Tuesday morning rolls around. My girls come in, all happy and bubbly, enjoying life. Brother Charles, they look at me and they say, Daddy, we want to sing you a song. Brother Billy, I looked at my little girls, heartbreaking. I said, girls, Daddy don't want to hear you sing. They'd say, but daddy, we just learned a song. And I'd say, girls, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I'm not in the mood. I don't feel like it. But daddy, but daddy, but daddy. And I mean, this kept on for probably an hour, hour and a half. And I'd say, girls, not now. I'm not in the mood. I do not want to hear you sing. My favorite people in all the world, I was telling them I didn't want to hear them sing. Breaking my heart. The devil's saying, don't let them sing. You're Okay. It's going to be over in just a little while. It's all over for you. But they kept on, but daddy, but daddy. And I'm thinking, man, if I don't do something, they're going to worry the hound out of me. I'm going to just have to, they just all happy and bubbly. But daddy, but daddy, we just learned it. We really want to sing it for you. And every time I'd say, girls, not now. Not now. Finally, I thought, man, if I don't get this over with, they're going to worry me, slam it. I'm going to die of worry. I said, girls, finally. Just go ahead and sing. I'll turn a deaf ear. Won't pay attention to it. I'll just go back to my little miserable state. Michaela got on one side of the bed and I thought, well, I'll just turn over and let them sing and I'll turn the deaf ear to them. And there stood Madison on the other side of the bed. <laughs> little Morgan, she was just a little over two at the time. She climbed up right in the middle of the bed, Brother LeVon. She put her hands on my face and she said, Daddy, you need to listen real good. <laughs> and they started singing a collar rolling song. The clouds are disappearing. The skies are turning blue. It was only just a while ago that I thought that I was through. But he did not rebuke me. But with arms that were strong and brave, he picked me up and he carried me into this field of grace where all is quiet, leaning on his breast. He pulled me from a stormy sea to a place where I could rest. He told me I was loved and he told me I was safe and I could stay forever in this field of grace. I wanted to say, somebody, open that door over there. Kick the devil out of this room. He's not welcome in this place anymore. My Faith in Him has been increased. God has met with us. My depression's gone. My discouragement's gone. No matter what happens, God's in charge of my life. God's in charge of me. He's controlling every system, everything that I'm going through. He knows the beginning from the end. God is in control of this thing. My faith in Him was increased. It don't matter what you're facing today, church. Keep your eyes on Him. God 
has been faithful in days gone by. God is faithful today and you can go to the bank on it, honey. God will be faithful tomorrow. He's never let us down. He'll never disappoint you. He'll never leave you forsaken. He's right there with you. David said I was young, but now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. God said I'm going to take care of you. Keep your faith in him. You may not choose to be in the spot you're in right now. And I promise you, it's not always a bed of roses. The next phone call you get could turn your world upside down. The doctor looking at you and saying, there's nothing else we can do when cancer and your name's in the same sentence. You'll say, God, I didn't choose this spot, but I'm going to keep on being faithful to you because you're faithful to me. Number two, it's not always the path of my choosing. It's a path of faith. Number two, it's not always a path that's clear. But it is a path of following. A lot of Baptist people make this statement, and it's a good statement. If you like it, I don't have no beef with you, but I've come to disagree with it, and we're going to eat with the pastor, so after service, I don't want to hear about it. You can bother him tonight with it. But a lot of Baptist people make this statement, Brother Charles. They say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask the Lord why. Brother Billy, I believe when we get to heaven, it won't matter then. All our trials and troubles and heartaches and sorrows, they'll just seem like one little needle point of water compared to all the water and all the lakes and all the rivers and all the seas and all the oceans. They won't amount to a whole lot. We'll have a mind and body fashion like the Son of God. We'll see Him as He is. We'll be in heaven forever and forever and forever. We'll bow down at His feet and everything we had to go through in this life, it won't amount to nothing. We'll be praising Him forever and forever. We won't have to ask why then but I believe but I believe while we're in this life this flesh and bone this stinking rotten dying flesh it's alright to throw up your hand sometimes and say why because our little finite finite minds can't understand everything day after day I ask the Lord why God why would you have to give me this Lung infection. Why me? I went so far as to make the statements, God, why didn't you give it to the Muslim or the atheist or the drunkard or the dope dealer? I don't deserve this. God, we're traveling up and down the road, 280 plus days gone a year, 170 plus churches a year, trying to uplift the saints, trying to see people say, we're doing what you called us to do. We're in the will of God, doing exactly what you want us to do. God, why did it have to be me? Why didn't you give it to somebody else? Moment upon moment, that question was coming off of my lips, running through my mind. Why me? I don't deserve this. I'm 37. I've got my whole life ahead of me. Selfish, bitter, angry, discouraged. Why me? And you've all been there. Don't look at me like you're super spiritual. We've got a whole lot of self in us. We love us more than anybody else does. Why me? Why me? Days. 
No answer. Seemed like the heavens were brass. I couldn't get a prayer through. All I could say was, oh God, why me? One day the, the words come off of my lips. And it's almost like heaven opened up. And God spoke to me in louder than an audible voice. Brother Billy, this was the words that I heard. He said, son, I gave it to you because I thought you could handle it. And I said, God, I'm flesh and bone, handling death. I know there's grace for every need, but I didn't have dying grace. I said, God, you thought I could handle it? What in the world? I'm human. God said, son, just think about it. If I'd have gave it to that atheist or that Muslim or that dope dealer or that drunkard and they died without my son, they died without knowing the free pardon of sin being washed in the blood. Saved by amazing grace. If they died, they'd go to hell. He said, son, I gave it to you because you know where you're headed when this life is over. You've been washed in my blood. You've been saved by my grace. You know heaven's your home. He said, son, I gave it to you because I thought you could handle it. From that day forward, I said, God, I'll never question why it had to be me again. I'll never question why I had to go through the lung infection. I'll never question why I had to go through the surgeries facing death. I said, God, I'll gladly take it again. If you'll get off all the glory and some lost soul will be saved if I could just stand up and tell that God saves old sinners and somebody get help somebody get saved out of my situation I said God I'd gladly take it again God said you got to keep on following me he says I know the end from the beginning I'm the alpha I'm the omega I'm the one who wrote Romans 8, 28. It's still in your Bible. And we know, and we know, and we know that all things work together for good. All things ain't good, but they're all working out for his glory. So that makes them good. All things are working out for my good and his glory. We know that. And that still small voice, Brother Billy, just says, we're going this way. There's a valley. There's a valley. I'm going to lead you through that valley. I'm going to carry you through that trial. John chapter number 6. Those disciples out there on the boat. Matthew chapter 14. The same reference of scriptures. The Lord constrained them to get in the boat. He said, we're going to the other side. He never promised them smooth sailing. But he did promise them a safe landing. They faced the storm. They faced darkness. And they faced being tired. But the God of all heaven never took his eyes off of them. They couldn't see for the waves. They couldn't hear for the wind. The lightning was a flashing. The thunder was a crashing. The boat was a rocking. They're out there saying, Lord, why are we here? You told us to come out here. You didn't tell us we'd face a storm. We'd face darkness. But our storm and our darkness and our weariness, it's not affecting him. He's out there walking across wave top, going to him. He's out there walking across the, the waves and saying, hey, I'm on the way. Help's on the way. And he spoke six words. It is I. Be not afraid. And the Bible says immediately they were on the other side. Just keep on following him. We're going to the other side. My wife, I don't know if she just started this year. It seemed like it's been going on for a few years. She puts Hall's cough drops in my stocking for Christmas. 
I don't know why she thinks I'm going to lose my voice or something. But the new rappers on the Hall's Cough Drop boast this statement. A pep talk in every drop. This one says, don't try harder, do harder. Keep your chin up. Be unstoppable. Inspire envy. Push on. I'm, inspired. I'm encouraged just by reading the rapper. <laughs> These will be for sale after the service. I'll sign them $100. <laughs> Encouragement. Hey. Right here in just one little Halls wrapper. This one says, be resilient. Don't wait to get started. Fire up those engines. Dust off and get, get up. I mean, I just got them oozing out of everywhere. <laughs> get back in there, champ. You've survived tougher. Don't try harder, do harder. I mean, just encouragement, just oozing out of the rapper. Amen. But when I got the little tickle down in my throat, the little, <clears throat> that's aggravating everybody around me. Reading that rapper is not going to get the job done. Just reading it's not going to stop the scratch. I got to get what's in that rapper down inside of me. I take that little red drop out, put it on my tongue, got one in my chin right now, and it gets the job done. Reading the rapper when you're going through your difficult situation, the rapper's real good. It gives me encouragement because it says Holy Bible. But I got to get what's in the rapper inside of me. My words, Brother Billy... I'm telling you, I'm praying for you. If I can do anything for you, you let me know. When you're facing your tough situation, when you're facing your tough trial, my words are just going to fall short. They don't get down to where the problem is. They don't get down to where the hurt is, where the pain is. But I'm glad I've got a Bible that's got 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 31,175 verses, 810,697 words, 3,566,480 letters that tell me somebody already made it through the trial. Somebody's already went through the heartache. Somebody's already followed the Lord. They followed the 31,175 verses and they've made it through the most difficult situations a man could ever face. Just keep on following. Just keep on following. But God, I don't know where Abraham said that in Genesis. Where am I going to go? God said, hey, just look for that city. Who's building makers God? Right. Just keep on following me. Amen. Come on. We're going this way. Amen. You may throw up your hands at the next phone call and say, why? When that daughter runs away, when that son walks away from God, when that mom or daddy, heart attack, cancer, you're going to say, why? You don't have to go see a psychologist. Or a humanist, just get in that Bible. Keep on following God. Keep on following. Number three, and I'm done. It's not always a path of my choosing, it's a path of faith. It's not always a path that's clear, it's a path of following. It's not always a path of comfort, but it is a path of fellowship. The doctor shaking his head, there's nothing we can do, it's not comfortable. The phone call, it's not comfortable. The poking and the prodding and the doctor shaking his head, it's not comfortable. Mom's got three to six months, it's not comfortable. Cancer, 
and your name in the same sentence. It's not comfortable. Lisa Williams McGee sitting right back here. Her daddy's brother Roger Williams with brother Roger Williams. November the 6th. It was November the 7th for us. We were in Indiana and just a little bit after midnight we get a call. I don't remember which daughter it was. Screaming on my wife's cell phone. I'm laying in the bed next to her. Screaming to the top of her, her lungs. Daddy's gone. Daddy's been killed in a truck wreck. We need you. We need you. I'm thinking this is my hero. My friend. The meeting. He preached it every year. Been more of an inspiration to me, apart from my grandpa, more than anybody else on God's earth. He said he's gone. Those words weren't comfortable to me. They asked us to come and preach the funeral. Family sang. I sit there in that auditorium for a couple hours before the service and I'm thinking, what am I going to say? My words are going to fall short. This family's hurting the wife, the daughters, the son-in-laws, the grandbabies. They're hurting. What am I going to say? This was my hero they got laying in that casket. Fumbled around and tried to get some words. They gave the little obituary paper. I read through that thing and they showed the order service, the pallbearers, the surviving relatives. Brother Billy, on the back of that was the footprints poem. By the way, their mother just a month ago went home to be with the Lord. Within seven months, they lost dad and their mom. My heroes. On the back of hers, the same footprints poem. The writer of that poem said, Lord, we're walking through life, you and I, walking through the sands of time, two sets of footprints. Everything's good. We're happy as we could be. There's two sets of tracks. You're, you're right beside me. You're leading me. You're carrying me through this life. And He said, God, but I went a little further and I looked back and there was only one set of prints. And it seems like where the one set of prints was, it was the deepest, darkest valley in my life. He said, God, why would you leave me to go through that all by myself? Why did you just walk away and let me make just one set of prints in the sand? Why'd you make me go through that all by myself? And the Lord said, son, those prints weren't yours. It was at the deepest, darkest times of your life that I didn't think you was going to make it. You didn't have the strength in yourself to make it through that trial, to make it through that valley, to make it through that heartache. He said it was at that time where you only saw one set of prints is where I picked you up and I carried you. I put your head on my breast. You could hear my heartbeat. You could feel the words of comfort, the words of fellowship down your neck. I spoke to you. We fellowship walking along and God said I had to pick you up. You had to get just a little bit closer to me. You had to be in my arms, be in my grasp. I carried you through the hardest times of your life. You didn't go through that all by yourself. There's going to come a day, could be today, that you're going to need some fellowship. And the fellowship of your church members, it'll be good, but it won't get the job done because they can't get down in there where the hurt is. But just a few seconds of fellowshipping with him, Brother Billy, is better than a lifetime 
of fellowshipping with man. Just a few seconds in his presence, hearing his words of comfort, hearing him say, I am the bread, I am the water, I am the comfort, I am the life, I am the truth. And hey, you're gonna make it, you're gonna make it, you're gonna make it. God said, hey, you're gonna reach that destination. You will be on the other side with me. But just keep fellowshipping with me when you're up on the mountain, when you're down in the valley. The greatest times you'll ever have in this life is fellowshipping with God. God Almighty. Little Morgan quoted John, uh, Psalm 23 just a while ago. She said, Yea, though I walk, what's the very next word? Through. David said, I'm not coming in this valley to camp out. I'm not putting up a tent. I'm not going to build me a house. David said, I'm in this valley right now, but I'm going through. Yes. 400 plus times in your Bible it says and it came to pass. David said I'm in this valley right now but I'm not stopping to look around. I'm not stopping to to pick flowers. David said I'm walking through it. He said surely goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life and guess what? One of these days I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It may seem dark where you live. It may seem stormy where you live but you keep on fellowshipping with God. You keep on following Him. Your faith will be increased. You just keep on going through this life. You're going to make it, child of God. You're going to make it. We have the promise. Immediately, we're going to be on the other side. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're facing. But you could be in the deepest, darkest valley you've ever been in right now. That old saying goes, storms, you may have just come out of one. You're in one right now. Or you're headed right into one. We're not exempt. But I'm glad we got the 31,175 promises or verses that say we're going to make it. You're going to make it, child of God. Let's all stand. It's about, I want my family to come sing an invitation. Lord, I want to thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your love and your mercy. They sang about that how marvelous and how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. God, I bless your name for everything that you put us through. Our flesh may not enjoy it, but God, I'm glad it's for our good and for your glory. And God, no doubt in a crowd this size, there's somebody going through a valley right now. There's somebody facing heartache. There's somebody facing trials and troubles. They're walking in deep water. God, I pray that you'd say what old Peter said, casting all your cares upon me. Because I care for you. God, I pray that you deliver this morning. God, I pray that you'd help family members, mamas and daddies, boys and girls, sons and daughters. God, I pray that you'd help them to realize that you're in control of our storm. On this path of life, just keep on following you. Have your way in this invitation. If there's one in our midst today that's lost, God, I pray that today... They'd find the liberty in the Holy Ghost and in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Touching this invitation, change hearts, change lives in Christ's name. 